We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your host, Johnny T. And today my guest is Debbie Wilkins Baisden. She's a mom of four boys who was suddenly widowed without warning. The depth of her pain was only matched by the depth of God's faithfulness. The unexpected death of her husband has helped others thrive by promoting balanced living amidst chaos for busy women who love Christ. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for letting me be here. It's a privilege. That's an awesome to have you here. So that's quite a devastating and life-changing moment that you went through to lose your husband. You talk about how God's faithfulness helped you through that. So maybe you could just discuss about when and how that love of God became part of your life and how God helped you manage that situation. I think I am very fortunate that I was raised by parents who spoke about Jesus as if he was real. It wasn't reserved for Sundays. I knew Bible verses before I could read and write. They taught me to love the Lord. So I I always believed. I don't know that I always followed. (laughs) That's where the (laughs) breakdown occurred. I'm like, yeah, he's real. I'm a Christian. I'm baptized. I'm saved. All of these like good girl qualities. But especially once I was a teenager, I absolutely drifted away. And I'm grateful that after graduating college, I'm kind of like, wait a minute, where's real fulfillment? What is my life purpose? And I think I did drift myself back into, you know, being more of a doer. Mm -hmm. As far as that goes, I think before it was like, I'm a hearer, but not a doer. So I think I have been so grateful that I've always loved the Lord and believed in him. However, I think especially I was, I was good at especially finding excuses. Once I became a mom, I had four boys in four years. And so you're busy and you're tired. And that became the perfect catalyst to drift God into second place in my heart. You know, my, my husband is first, then God then the kids seemed to be what the real order was. That wouldn't be what I would tell you it is. I would say, oh, of course, God is first. But instead, it became this like convenient Christianity where I know you're there, God. If I need you, like if I get into a bind, I'll be sure to let you know. But I think I'm pretty self-sufficient on my own. Obviously, this is insanity. But I had a rushed prayer time 
a superficial Bible study time because I'm quote busy and quote tired. And so when my husband died unexpectedly, I mean, this, this is my whole world being ripped out of me and I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, whoa. And so even in those initial moments of trying to process that my husband is now in heaven, it was brutally (laughs) hard to understand. I still can't understand it today, but I had these moments where I'm having this inner prayer with the Lord. And I said, I'm yours. No, I'm really yours. Mm -hmm. I'm sold out. It's all you. And I've botched up the whole thing along the way. I've made it about me. Like this planet revolves around me and I'm so sorry. And so as I'm, you know, trying to comprehend that my husband is gone forever and I'm I'm now a widow with kiddos, I'm thinking whatever you want me to do, because I can't, I can't even sustain myself. And I realize my utter dependence on him for everything, for my own next breath, because I could barely breathe. It took intention to inhale and exhale. And so I think I realized you're actually so patient and so gracious and so merciful to put up with someone so wretched who's a Christian by name, but not really by deed. And so it, it took this immense pain for me to realize I need to get my priorities in line and really be obedient to him and really just fall on my face before him and saying, you're it. I love you. And the only reason I'm going to be able to move forward with our now smaller family is Christ alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it doesn't matter how vast or wide or deep the situation is that we all come across, but we all have to come to that same place where we can't pretend anymore. We can't be plastic in our faith. We can't have that fake smile that everything is going great. I mean, God wants us to be honest with him. He already knows. Like, I mean, it's not like we're surprising him with anything. He already knows. And he's already orchestrated all of those steps in our life along the way to bring us to that crossroads where we say, okay, God, I just can't do this anymore without you. And yeah, I 100% understand that. I totally agree. You like hit the nail on the head with that plastic. It's almost like he's collecting dust on the shelf kind of thing. And I'm like, wow, so much regret. So as he carried you through that, what were like the first kind of pointers or steps that he helped you with to make a new path in your life? Because I'm sure, as you said, like you would have been overwhelmed with, well, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? Well, how about this? Like, how am I going to look after the kids? Like so on and so on and so on. So how did that clarity come to you? Because I know the Bible says that God's voice can be a still small voice and he can also bring divine appointments. You know, he can bring people across your path. He can show you something in the word. So how did God start to unravel that? that situation for you and point you on the next path that he had for your life? I think he gifted me with the insulation of shock. That was the first thing that I I can now look back and realize that you can't fully absorb that kind of information, all the devastation at once. And so he was so gracious almost to like dip my toe in the freezing cold water, just one inch at a time, instead of just plunging me in and saying, well, good luck, Debbie. Instead, Mm. he's like, I've got to ease you into this reality of all the facets of what sorrow looks like and moving forward. I had never seen the body of Christ in action like I did when I lost my my husband. 
you know, you read about this stuff and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hands and the feet. But when it really happens and you see how God uses people to carry you, it's like, I'm up on their shoulders being moved forward. Nothing to do with myself. I'm such a hot mess. I am trying to not implode. I think that was one of the biggest blessings is how people showed up in a variety of ways, sometimes just to sit next to me and say nothing maybe staying home. And I know people were so selfless to pray for me. It's so easy to say, does prayer really work? Am I just talking out loud to myself? Is he really going to listen? Does this really matter? And I wanted to have like a megaphone going, I'm telling you, (laughs) prayer works. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That's how we're not disintegrating as a now smaller family. So I think that was a big part that God obviously is leading the whole thing, but also using his people. And again, the whole point in everything is for him to be magnified. So it's always like we've got to point everything back to him and not ourselves or even others. But I think it was also having four little boys who at the time were ages four, four, seven and eight. They're not going to be patient. They can't fix their own meals. They can't drive themselves to school. And so I was forced to be functional, which I'm grateful for because, you know, in and of myself, I probably wanted to kind of bury my head under the covers and just say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to face the world. This pain is too deep. And they're like, yeah, great. We're hungry and need a snack. And so I think that also helped facilitate the healing. It was a very slow road. It was nothing drastic. I'm grateful for the gift of time to kind of ease into processing. He really is gone. Your heart will always hurt and begging God tend to my knees, like anoint me, minister to me because no one else can. I feel so alone. And so I think it was just a constant trusting in him, always pivoting my thoughts to him and asking for help, whether I'm wailing on the bed or trying to drive kids to school to always redirect, like you will have to sustain me and refine me. I clearly need refining if you're having to shout for me to learn some kinds of lessons. So I think it was just a very one day at a time. I think anybody who's struggling, they're like, when do I get to the finish line? Where's the light at the end of the tunnel? It just took a lot of time. But along that path is how we're we're growing our faith to really rely on him, whether it's a pain-filled time or a pain-free time. A couple of thoughts uh, came to mind when you were talking about that. Your young kids. It would have been almost incomprehensible for them to understand losing their father at a young age like that. How did you communicate that God's hand was there to help them through that? When I sat them all down on the bed to tell them, I had had about four hours to process the information. And knowing you're about to break children's hearts is something a mother never wants to do. And so I'm kind of having this inward pleading with God, like, make this not real, make this untrue, bring him back to life. It was all a dream, pinch me awake. And he was very quiet. And I'm like, okay, I think that means no. (laughs) And so I had to force my mouth to form these words to deliver the hardest sentence I've ever said, knowing I'm forever changing our children to say, I'm really sorry. I love you so much, but your dad is dead. And you will not see him again this side of heaven. And Mm. I'm really sorry. I'm apologizing and I'm sobbing and and they're very still. They're very quiet. Well, one kid was doing somersaults. So kids are different in how they Mm. process pain. 
But I said, but the good news is, even though he's not alive here, he's not coming back home. He is very much alive in heaven. He has no pain. He is in paradise looking at the face of God. This is magnificent. And you have this opportunity to learn the truths of God's word. Let's learn about heaven together. Other kids, heaven is like a felt board Sunday school lesson. But for us, well, that's where your dad is. So let's learn more about it because God allowed this. God allows a lot of hardship in our life. And either he's good or he's not. It's Mm -hmm. one or the other. And I'm putting all my votes in the bucket of he is good. He has been very good to us. He is always going to be faithful. And so I just had to keep in those moments when I would unravel and fall apart, I would say, can you pray for me? These little bodies. And they would put their hand on my shoulder and say their sweet little child prayers that were everything to me. I think prayer is is such a gift. And for them to see me be able to continually work through this pain and, and justify for them, you can feel lonely, sad, mad, however you feel, it's so right. And I'm I'm so sorry that this is real and unchangeable, but it was always followed with but. And we're going to still pivot back to the faithful goodness of God because he will get us through this. Even though you are fatherless, you still have the father. You know, we are never alone because he's always with us because he's everywhere. So I think I've tried probably unsuccessfully in my whole parenting journey, but I've tried to really breathe in those teachable moments about what his word really says about who and how he is. Reminds me of Jesus saying, let the little children come unto me. And we need to have faith like a little child. There's so much innocence in children that they can pray and believe wholeheartedly. And we can learn from that for sure. When you talked about situations and whatever had happened, and then you would say, but that little word, that three-letter word, but is something that takes everything that was previously said and negates it. It just stops it right there. Yes, these bad things have happened, but... God is faithful. God is real. God loves you. God can work in your situation. God can give you victory. God can create a new path. God can open doors. All of those issues and struggles and things that we have, they're all negated by the but of the truth of God's love for us. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. You're so eloquent. It's amazing that he's bigger than all of this. So when you went through this, I know that you said you were explaining it to your kids and that you were sorry about that. Did you have a component of maybe guilt or maybe some struggle with, if I had been with him, this wouldn't have happened. Or if I had been there, if I could have called 911, or did you have to work through that as well? Even though you had absolutely nothing to do with it? It was an unexpected side effect of all of this loss. I didn't, I didn't, I was like, oh, there's an anger phase. And, you know, but I was like, I'd never heard about the guilt part. I think my first sense of guilt was when I first smiled, that felt very wrong. You shouldn't be happy. You should be crying all the time, wearing black, you know, a a certain set amount of appropriate time. You should not be able to experience even one ounce of pleasure in any form. So I think that was my first moment because I remember hearing people in my kitchen laughing within days. And I thought, oh my goodness, how can people laugh? People are having a good time. And that was so foreign to me in that particular space. I think then the guilt magnified because as I sat and pondered how this horrible accident had happened, 
So a little bit ba- backstory. My husband was working on his deer stand and was not strapped in and fell. That's how his life ended. And it's so movie-like to me that something so unique would happen to him. But days before I had reminded my ADHD husband, oh yeah, weren't you going to go work on your deer stand? And he Mm -hmm. said, that's right. Thanks for reminding me. And so you're looking back in hindsight going, what did I say? What what if I had never said that? And the what if game, you know, you're always going to paint yourself into a corner, but what if I hadn't said that? Would he have remembered with his brain being all over the place? I don't know. So that was definitely a huge moment where I, again, had to redirect and say, it's done. It's not reversible. There is no opportunity to go back and put your hand over your mouth and not say those words. So I had to keep reminding myself, he's still not at the base of that tree on the ground. He is in heaven. Then I think another major moment of this survivor's guilt, which I now know has a name, was when I started liking a new man who is now my husband, my second husband. And that felt so wrong because I was such a loyal wife. I have mostly faults about my character. That's not one of my faults where I was just faithful It was easy to do that. And so to now have the freedom, the ability to say, I've fulfilled my wedding vows. I am allowed to love again. I had my in-laws green light about the whole thing. It still felt wrong. I felt very guilty as if I was a mistress who was cheating on my husband. That was a lot to overcome. That was a lot of emotions and just feeling like it feels wrong. So therefore it must be wrong. And having to keep reminding myself, like you're not separated, you're not divorced. There's no chance of reconciliation. It is okay just keep seeking God. That that had to be my number one is get all your significance from God. Have all of your voids filled with him and not man. I didn't want to make that mistake again. So yeah, yeah it was definitely a string of guilt. It's so critical that we get our fulfillment from God because the devil does come to condemn us. You know, like we've all made mistakes. We've all done things that we regret. And the devil will continually try and hang that condemnation over each and every person to limit us from moving forward with God and his purpose and his plan for our life. So it's really important that people understand that. And that's that's well said. So through this whole thing, you've obviously branched out into some level of ministry. I know that you've written about it and you've got some groups that you work through to help others through these particular situations and journeys. So tell me a little bit about how that started and how people can find out more about the resources that you offer them. Yeah. So I I used to be a school teacher and became a stay at home mom to make this litter of children. (laughs) And I, you know, I was not the breadwinner. And so I found myself carrying the title of breadwinner and thought, what am I going to do to pay bills? And I'm looking in my past going, I don't think I like kids. So do I really want to go back to the classroom? I, I just can't even make myself. And so it was a nice opportunity, again, trying to seek those silver linings to say, What lights me up inside? What's my passion? What do you like to do? And I had fallen in love with fitness and thought, okay, I'm going to go for it. Like chapter two is something very different. Becoming an entrepreneur, that's never something I envisioned for my life, but neither was widowhood. And so I I got certified and, and kind of 
it blossomed into two different online fitness and nutrition businesses that ultimately are focusing on the Lord because I want busy women to feel good. That's all I want. Like, how can I encourage you? Because I have been greatly encouraged and and I feel such compassion for others. And so I'm thinking if I can get you to take care of what God bought at a price, let's do it. Let's mm-hmm. let's take care of how we're handling our body so that we can serve our family, our community, our workplace, et cetera. So our goal is, you know, how do we make it convenient for women to still be selfless with their big heart, but also not at the expense of taking care of their health. So it's a nice outlet for stress, which I've enjoyed personally as as I was grieving. I, I needed healthy outlets for this pain and stress that I carried as a single mom. And so that's kind of where these two businesses, both Fit with Deb and Mom Sanity, were born from. But I also enjoy writing about the Lord and my grief journey. And I have a Facebook group for widows just to have a safe space to just dump it all out there. The good, the bad, the ugly that other people really can't comprehend Mm -hmm. so that we understand each other. You can only understand it if you've been through it. And so it's nice to have different options for different different women based on what their needs are, what they're interested in. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's so important to have that group of committed believers around you to support you and, and raise you up just like, you know, Moses, right. Holding his hands up and Aaron and her were holding his hands up. Yeah. So, so very much like that. So where would people go if they wanted to find out more about what you can offer them? Yeah. So the first is a really long website. It's Debbie Wilkins based com. I would love to connect and share about grief as well as hope. And then I have fitwithdev.com, which again is fitness and nutrition, stress management, sleep, all of that stuff. And then my business partner and I have mom sanity, which because all moms are crazy. So that's mymomsanity.com. And that's where we focus on faith, fitness, nutrition, and motherhood. So lots of different options. I would love to connect. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, let me, let me ask you one final question. What's the one thing that you would tell our audience about God? As cliche as it sounds, you know, I think the first step is we need to take an accurate assessment of the fault lines in our current existence, whether that looks like marital struggles, financial struggles, parenting struggles, faith struggles. Let's just get our finger on the pulse. What's really going on? And then I would say palms up, really pour into the Lord the same way that Daniel was known. He was known in the whole area for, oh, he prays three times a day. We should be known for this kind of thing to be different than society, to really give him the best and everything, to be first place, to stop with the rushed Bible studies, to stop with the superficial prayer time and make him Number one, whether it's a, a pain-filled time or that pain-free time. Amen. Absolutely. It's all about the reality of our relationship with him. It's not religion, right? Right. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you and God bless you and all you do to help people along their journey of struggle. Thank you so much.
have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. 
In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.